are back in our relative time zones again. Yes, we are, Susanna Gray-Jones. Welcome our listeners to The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. I am Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Coach at Sales Gravy. And I am Susanna Gray-Jones, Master Sales Coach and owner of Chine. Chime, 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 I miss you. I miss you too. Such a lovely time being in person with you, but all good things come to an end. (laughs) And we recorded a podcast, which is very exciting. Why we were there. Yeah, we were able to kick one out. That one aired uh, last week. I hope everybody enjoyed that one on flattery yeah i think it was dion's last week by the way <laughs> it was just no, no, dion's was the week before that oh yes oh yep. okay. Mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, i will listen in i will listen in but yeah so i have been i don't know about you but since albert i have been feeling super empowered yeah but or and by the way great um great workshop um as i posted on linkedin but I've been feeling really empowered because I felt that since we got up on stage and we started speaking about women in the workplace, yeah. it really opened my eyes to what is really going on out there. Because I'd heard thought leaders speaking about this and I, I understood that people had issues about how women were treated, but I didn't understand the extent mm. of perceptions on both sides. Yeah. So what, on the feedback side. What, what side. in particular opened your eyes? Like with your aha there? I think it was the struggle that men are having to understand women in the workplace, which I I was particularly impressed that some of the men spoke up about that. Mm-hmm. But also I think women um speaking up about things that they were finding and how they felt about things like progression, quality, and feeling like they had a place at the table. I think we asked the questions get the answers but some of the people in the audience and some of the things that they said really surprised me so for example one lady in particular she felt the pressure to be part of the boys Mm. club and to the point that she held back when something was said that she felt compromised and made her feel uncomfortable you know we had a a, a couple i mean there yeah so (laughs) I'm just, I, it's so funny. The irony to this is I'm censoring myself at this moment of what I'm saying and being careful <laughs> to make sure I don't say anything that could be perceived as wrong. <laughs> I don't even know how to, how to even say that. Be careful, Gina Tramarket. That is correct. There was, there was that one person who brought up a, a situation that she was dealing with and I could 100% relate to it like 30 years ago Mm -hmm. and the aha is it's still happening right the discomfort of what a man might say to a woman in a workplace is that was inappropriate to the point that she couldn't really say it in detail but she said enough for us to figure out what had been said to her and inappropriate and it's still happening and yet she's going along with it to be part of the boys club and again, all my years, decades in, in my career, I still feel like I'm in a boys club. I still feel like sometimes I have to hold back and filter and censor uh, to not, not rock the rock the cart, so to speak, 
and not just as a, a woman working with a man, but in general, like, right. And this goes hand in hand with someone making reference, calling people on his team, calling them girls, right? Even that is still happening. Like my inside voice was like, oh my gosh, girls, why are we, why are well, we calling them yeah. girls? And that's, yeah, I mean, there, there's all sorts of things still going on. And I think one of the things that this female said that surprised me the most was how she felt, she felt scared of being excluded mm-hmm. to the point that she compromised herself, but to feel scared. And then it got me thinking about loads of different things. So for example, I think it's fair to say that as individual females, we are probably not super, super feminine in the way that a woman should be perceived to be, right? So I'm quite bullshy in the sense that if I feel so very strongly, I will speak up. You're quite what? Bullshy. Bossy? Bullshy. Bullshy. What is bullshy? Yeah. Is this an English word? You must know this B-O-L. word. B-O-L. B-O-L. <laughs> B-O-L-S-H-I-E. And it's a person of attitude um, or who can be like a bit combative or uncooperative, right? <laughs> so whilst I I've guess got, I'm bullshit. Uh, yeah, you're bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I think like as women, you're not kind of, it's quite unusual to be bullshit. A kind of English thing is that. It's, it's almost not acceptable to be bullshit as a woman. Yeah. And I, it's very much kind of women will be seen not heard in some mm-hmm. places. And I think that I was asking myself, because I actually think deep down, I've got quite a big heart. I'm quite soft, mm-hmm. um, quite sweet. <laughs> and I kept here sometimes. And, and you are. I, and I think you're, Thank and you. I think you're perceived that way more than I am. Probably. But I think if people were to hear me and sometimes I hear myself on this, I feel like I have to play up. And this isn't just this podcast, it's in work environments, right? I feel I have to play up a bit and um, appear a bit more confident than I am. And, you know, it's all part of stuff that I'm going through because I'm exploring my brand and my business and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking about it. But I, when I first started dating my husband, he said to me, Susanna, one of the reasons I love you is you're like one of the lads who just like chilled out. And I was like, oh. I was thinking that that must be good, right? That must be good. Like he was speaking about, I think it's something good. And I've always gone with that now. I was going to be like, I'm like the cool lad, you know, I'm a bit more chilled out. But why in society, why do I feel that I have to appear like that as a woman? And that's something with me. That's nothing that someone put there. But I wonder how many other women play up to this in the workplace and don't accept themselves as a confident woman without feeling they have to be like the boys club. What do you think? Do you come across it often? Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I struggle with it. Again, it's like sometimes you can be if you're a woman who is bullshit, my new (laughs) word of the day, who speaks their mind. It goes against the grain of what a woman should be or perceived to Mm -hmm. be and puts you in a different category. It goes back to every time you've heard people talk about, you know, a woman speaks her mind. She's a bitch. A man speaks his mind. And, you know, he's he's a man. Yeah. Oh, like there's no, there's, there's no negative connotation. Oh my gosh. For a man to do that. Oh my gosh. So have you seen the film? Not a great film, but it's called She's the Man. Oh, it's brilliant. So Amanda Bynes basically, um, it's a kind of satire of how a woman should be and she dresses and pretends to be a man. It's based on Hamlet, I think. And um, I think it's Hamlet. And it's just awesome. There's a scene where she's eating food and she's stuffing it in her mouth. And the lady says, 
it's like you've got a secret, my dear. It's like you've got a secret. And we always joke about that in my house because like when my toddler eats, when I eat like you've got a secret. But it's just so fascinating because it's like one of these women's clubs, finishing school type things where you have to be proper. And I don't know what they call it in America. But um, yeah, and it, it just kind of got me thinking about, you know, can we appear? Can we show up as women in, in work and be feminine? What do you think? I mean, do you think there are women out there who are not themselves at work? Because let's think about this. We were at work, especially, especially yes. you guys in America, by the way, you work long hours. Yes. Well, 100, 100%. That's a long time. 100%. I think there are, are women holding back and are repressed because they're fearful of losing their jobs. They're fearful of not being included because there's an expectation to, to meet of what a woman, I hate to say it, should be seen and not heard. In many scenarios, not in all, but I think it exists. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the only place it doesn't exist, well, I mean, not all workplaces, but I think where it definitely does not exist is, and I've seen this lately. I've actually been inspired by a lot of women lately. And actually a woman who's going to come on our show, her name is is Precious. And um, it's so funny. I I saw her speak at a BMW event, same where I saw um, Dion, where I, I met Dion at the same event. They have the same agent and this woman, um, precious, she was just so, is it, what is it? Bullshit. Bullshit. She was, she was so, she was so out there. She was so out there, big and bold and loud and proud. And uh, she was this, this beautiful black woman who spoke her truth about all the things that she's been through and has happened. And she's going to be on this show down to like, you know, yeah, look at me, look at my stomach. Yeah, I'm overweight. Look at, look at how, you know, like she wore a tight skirt that, that showed her bulges and, um, she was just big and loud. And I, I ran into a, um, a client of mine, a previous client of mine, that's been a client for many years. I do leadership training for, and I was, I'm like, did you see her speak? Oh my God. And I started talking about her and he just cracks a smile and I go, what? And he goes, she sounds like you, (laughs) which was interesting because the aha of watching her speak made me realize how much I've pulled back on that. And I'm not saying I should be like that all the time. But the point is, is that I think when you're off on your own in your own business and not representing a company, you can do that and and be that. And it's okay because at the end of the day, you sign the front of the check, not the back mm-hmm. of the check. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I found that, I found that fascinating watching her and, and it kind of reminded me of like, y- you can do that in that situation. Mm. Nobody is going to stop you from doing that. So by the way, she had a line so long of people waiting to get their book from her that she was giving away autographed by her to get her autograph and a picture with her. She had the longest line of all the speakers. That line was like forever. It was like an amusement park. It was a long time. And it was every type of person waiting to meet her. People that I just did not expect. And I, you know, I I don't want this to come off in any way derogatory or racist or anything like that, but she is a, a woman, a, black woman, a right. And she had like these old white guys. I don't know how else to say it. Someone's going to get offended by it. But the generation that you were 
previously yeah. sort of in that flux stage where there was still racism and you know it was still around uh, there, they were there, there was, they showed well, up there's, there was yeah there's so many factors playing into it like i didn't i didn't expect like a white man in his 60s waiting in line and it was a diversity conference on top of it but maybe give yeah, that that's a good audience right they, they're, they're there supporting yeah, that. that but i didn't expect i did not expect that guy waiting in line like can't wait to meet her yeah i love that and i don't know if that says anything bad about me the point is is that everybody every walk of life in that room every demographic was in love and with that's her. Good. And I don't think it does say anything about you, by the way. I think it's more just your perceptions of how people have been in society. And we are changing um, because, you know, my grandparents, they were even quite strong on the whole kind of, oh, I don't know how we'd feel if you if you were to date someone who, who was uh, of different race. But to me, I don't see anyone as different, right? So <laughs> one of my candidates, one of my Likewise. candidates said to Likewise. me the other day something about diversity. And it was only when she said it that it clicked to me that she wasn't the same color or race as me. And it really made me quite proud of myself because it made me think it just doesn't even click with me anymore. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I know this might kind of dovetail into diversity a little bit. And it, it would be good to have, um, I'd love to have Cynthia Barnes back on the show. Let's she was so lovely to actually yes. meet in person and get to know her in person. And this, this precious Williams, if we could get her on the show. One thing I've heard through, especially through the last couple of years with, oh, what is that book called? White Fragility Based on White Privilege. I haven't read that. You know, a comment, of saying I don't see color can be taken as as offensive um, in some cases when we say that as white people. And it, it kept me mindful, right, to to pay attention to that, right? That's a whole nother tangent to go down. But because you brought that up, sometimes, yeah, you and I, we we love and accept everybody. Like, so I don't even know how to articulate it properly. I'm having a hard time articulating things today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so guarded today. Um, it's just kind of interesting that that you just said that of like, we don't see it, but maybe we need to see it more. I guess that's my point. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to get get a take on it. But, you know, I was, um, I, I think ultimately, and I, I heard a workshop on diversity um, in one of the elite sessions and some of the figures are really scary. The, uh, the amount of, of women, women of different race who aren't in leadership, women who are, or then the women figures and the male figures. Of, we know the figures that we spoke about them outbound, you know, which is shocking how few, I think it's something like 80% of men in the C-suite and 27% in, are females. And it is shocking, the figures. But what I think it is, and I've, I've certainly, I don't think there's one prescription for women to feel empowered. I think only they can make themselves feel empowered, but it might be more difficult in the wrong environment. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I used to show up to work and I used to feel nervous, I used to feel like an imposter, if you like. The thing for me was I had a motivational track that I would walk to work with. And I had one of my big time ones is Beyonce. Listen, because <laughs> I found it really empowering. I had like Destiny's Child, Independent Woman. I had all these tracks that just, Making me feel 
massively empowered. So I turn up to work and I show up and I feel like so confident in myself and that I could achieve anything that day. And everyone has, it's like they talk about unfair advantage. Stu Heineck talks about that a lot. I think that everybody's got a secret recipe that they can switch on and switch off to make themselves feel more empowered. They might not have found it yet, whether that's a mantra that they say to themselves, meditation, whether that's a song, whether that's like you talk about visualization, it could be something that they say to themselves in the mirror. Like some people, their therapists get them to speak in the mirror and say, you are wonderful. You are great. And even though it sounds silly, it just reaffirms that to themselves. And I think if we could do a playbook for women of different techniques to try to empower themselves, make them feel empowered, I think it could be really powerful. Actually, I need to go. I'm going to go grab my my journal right now. It's on my other desk on the other side of the sound blanket. <laughs> my therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my therapist does not believe in those affirmations. Interesting. They're, she she calls she calls them something else. Wait, hold that thought. Like, just sing a little song. I'm going to grab my notebook because I took notes on this um, like a month ago when I saw her on this, but. I want to share it because it might be an exercise that's helpful. Hold on. Yeah, definitely. I think... um, Continue. Sing to yourself. (laughs) Maybe Nian can cut here somewhere in the recording. I have... I can can talk to myself right here. I can talk to myself. (laughs) I think one of of the things that I found really interesting um, when I was at Outbound, there was a really great equality of women and men but when I was doing my recruiting workshop, I think there was something like 90% men watching my workshop and 10% women, which is quite surprising. And I felt quite, I felt quite proud to be the woman on the stage with 90% men <laughs> and 10% women. But I, and I hope that the fact that I was a woman didn't affect the way that they viewed me in my presentation. Right. What have you found? Oh, she calls them refuting statements, mm. refuting statements. Now I feel like I need to go Google this. So it's taking negative self-talk mm-hmm. and refuting the statement. So if you're feeling like I can't do anything right, right? Like just mm-hmm. let's say, let's say in the eyes of, of a boss, right? And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't do anything right. Right. And you keep saying that to yourself, then... Mm-hmm you're going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. And she says, turn it around to something like, um, I have the knowledge and skills to be successful at what I do. Changing the story. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not about I'm great. I'm wonderful. Right. Those are, those would be like affirmations. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a refuting statement that refutes the negative talk. Mm. So taking that negative talk and then saying more something like I have or I am or I will or I need, right, is is really taking those words, need, am, will, have. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's really powerful. So she calls them refuting statements because I think we all do that. I think we all go into a negative place of I can't or I'm not, Mm -hmm. right? And turning that around is a little bit different from an affirmation. Yeah. And I think it's great. And we will add it to the playbook. I, I, I think that could be really valuable for lots of people. I think one thing that became really interesting in my mind to outbound were the amount of 
leaders who struggle with the gender diversity, but also the leaders who struggle in general. Now, I'm a big believer that I, I have a lot of sympathy for leaders, okay? Um, just because I've managed managers, I've managed, and I've never seen anyone get it right every time. I've never seen anyone get it right every time. But when you add people who struggle with the gender differences to that, there can be challenges. And I think there's one person who had a question about burnout, which is something that a lot of people in sales feel. A lot of managers think, I think in this particular case, the manager um, had noticed that one of his employees had, had burnout or suspected that because they were emailing at 11 p.m. at night um, or emailing at different times of day. They had reached the assumption that they were burn, burnt out and wanted advice on what to do. And I thought that was really interesting because I think there are a lot of people out there who might appear burnt out or they might manage their time differently. And in this particular case, the manager had reached that conclusion without having the discussion. Simple, right? Have the discussion. Ask them how they're feeling. It sounds simple, but I like that leader, like that manager. I think I could have, on a busy day, just said to someone, okay, you're burned out without actually taking the time to sit down with them. And a lot of the leaders are struggling just to sit down and have those simple conversations. Um with that staff, that became very apparent to me. Yeah, and I think in that particular situation, that person wasn't coming from bad intentions. I, I think, you know, that person was coming from actually a place of really good intentions and caring and wanting to do everything possible for that person. And at the same time, possibly definitely wanting to be perceived as a leader that cared. Yeah. Right, and so this is something that, I've often talked about in customer service training, the difference between golden rule and platinum rule, right? Mm -hmm. we, the golden rule, treat people the way you want to treat, be treated. Platinum rule, treat people the way they want to be treated, which takes a lot of work for a leader because the leader actually has to spend time understanding how each individual contributor wants to be treated. And that's a lot of work. Yes. And there are some leaders who, especially if like, if they're a dominant personality, you know, that dominant personality, what I mean, like on the disc, right? Like get it done. I don't got time yeah. for this black and white bullet point me. Tasks, um, tasks. Makers. They're, they're, they're not going to be, you know, soft and fuzzy, especially on wanting to spend that time. Yeah. But that would help in the long run to have that to take the time to understand how they want to be treated and not make an assumption because I don't think anyone's got bad intentions, right? That's always my assumption that everybody's coming from a good place. So I think, you know, I think that might've been an aha for him in that moment that ask, ask, ask how they want to be managed, ask how, uh, what makes them the most productive. You know, there are things that will completely demotivate me. And if you know that about me, that would be good information to have, right? Yes. And I, you know, I talk about life though a lot. You've got the supporting, yeah. adapting, conserving and controlling. That particular leader, I think, was on the supportive end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And yeah. with any of those life types, there's strength, weakness, paradox. And I think the, the, 
the tendency sometimes for managers who are over-supportive can be that sometimes they're overly cautious or they could become overly cautious if they are with someone who's of a conflicting lifestyle to them. So it's like, for example, if let's say I'm a supporting person and Gina's my manager, which one are you? Are you controlling, supporting, conserving or controlling? Me? What am or adapting? I? You, yeah. you told me what I am. You're controlling, what? yeah? I think you said that. <laughs> and adapting. Um, the two, prob- I would say those are two crucial ones. Yeah, I'm for, definitely, um, con- I'm, I'm either controlling or adapting. Yeah. So let's say, for example, I'm the same as you, by the way, but let's say, for example, I was supporting and I was trying to get a task done that I was supporting and really putting everything into it. And you came along and you said to me something like, I don't know, no, 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 we just got to do it. We've got to get on the phone. We've got to get on the phone. And I'm like, no, 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 but I have to make sure I get this task right. So my perception of how you are, I was like, whoa, why is she being so busy, busy? Why is she being like this? And you're just thinking, oh, why is Susanna being so like detailed orientated? And it, it comes back to that. And I think the minute that managers can work out which style they are and understand the style, and the minute that people can work out what their manager's style is and they can sit down and have those conversations, then we don't get lost in translation. People don't fall out over miscommunication and actually we can have better conversations because I think that's it. You can sit down for one-to-ones every week, but what is the quality of the conversations that you're having at work with your manager? How do, how do, how do, how do they make that better, right? How do they make that better if they're not making time for it because they, they perceive they don't have the time for it? Yeah, but I think it comes back to putting the time in the bucket like we say for meditation they say if you don't have time to meditate then you definitely need to meditate and it's the same with i'm reading what's the i'm reading i'm reading um four hour working week and they mm. talk about like getting up super early how many of us stay up really late and work when our minds aren't ready but what if i got up at 5 30 and went to bed at 9 p.m you know all those types of things let's that's, that's, oh gina's got her hand up she's doing it she's killing it but that, so- that, but that is what I do. I, I get up, I get up between four thirty and five. Yeah, and I go to bed at nine. Yeah, and you're killing it. You're closing lots of deals. But my point behind this is, is that we can be much. We talk about time management, time blocking. But what about if we reverse our days and we're just smarter with the way that we work our days? Because the number one thing that people come to us with is time management, isn't it? Let's face it, every coaching person, they want to talk about time management. And the reason I think people are failing is because they're trying it once and failing and then thinking they're not going to try it again. Whereas what they should be doing is finding different routes to get there. The one route's not working, try it until it becomes a habit. If it doesn't become a habit, try another route. Yeah. How did I get here? (laughs) I got on here because I think this also comes back to conversations with management and employees and especially different personality types, different people from different social cultures. I think that time always needs to be blocked as a priority. There's nothing worse than when people say, oh, I'll be a bit late to that meeting. I'll sit down with you in 10 minutes. Or I'll be a bit late to that. I'll sit down in half an hour. Make that time sacred. Yeah. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. That was the one kind of aha moment for me from Outbound, regardless of gender, regardless of any of it. Yeah sit down, communicate, start talking, have those quality conversations? Well, I think it it has to be a priority. If you look at some of the organizations out there that are known for their cultures, like mm-hmm. meaning known for cultures that believe in let us take care of our 
internal people first, because if we do that, they will take care of our external people. Yeah. The companies that do that, you know, that that's why they're rated, you know, top companies to work for, right? Because then the productivity kicks in and they're all hyper aware and vigilant about making the time to do that. I remember many years ago when I was really in the thick of customer service and leadership training and someone saying to me, can you do a session on teaching our employees to be empowered? And I had to step back what a great and be like, today. let me ask this. But, but I had to step back and be like, okay, let me understand the question. Teach them how to be empowered. I can't teach them how to be empowered. I can't, I can't teach your staff how to be empowered. That comes from you, the leader. I can't train the staff to be empowered, but I might be able to coach you on how to create an environment where they feel empowered, right? And and it was an interesting thing because the 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 mindset was it's their fault that they're not taking initiative. It's their fault that they're not thinking outside of the box. And the reality is, you know, and I and I I surveyed all those employees. This is back in the day when I worked, um, believe it or not, with hotel, a lot of hotels and doing hotel training. And those employees were afraid to make decisions and they weren't taught how to make decisions and they weren't told what they can and cannot do. What they were given was uh, a book of policies and scripts to follow and then didn't know how to get off the script. Mm. And so management and leadership was frustrated because customer service was being affected Mm. because they're like, they're not taking initiative to fix things. Yeah. And the, um, the employee's response to me was, we're not sure what we're allowed to do. I think there's two sides to it, isn't there? It's, it does start at the top, 100%. Just an example, I was in a shoe shop the other day, trying to choose my little one, and I heard the manager shout at the staff, and it really sat badly with me. But did I for once think, oh, it's her fault? No, because I think leaders... You've always got you've always got to give them a bit of slack because they're learning as they're going a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and they're making mistakes, and they're expected to be perfect. They're expected to be on the pedestal. You know, they 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 make mistakes the same way that we, uh, you know, need to be empowering our employees to be accountable as well for their reactions and all of that. So I think it's twofold. But the one thing that I really feel strongly about is I want to see more female, strong female role model leaders out there and on that note on that note oh, I want to ask you oh, we've gosh. spoken about who our most powerful female role model is before but I want to know who, what is your most we talked about songs who's your most who do you look up to as a female singer who you find empowering has empowering motivational music well, you know, I brought us out to Confident. Yeah. Right. So that song by Demi Lovato, um, th- that to me always resonates. Yeah. Um, a lot of Beyonce. Yeah. A lot of the other song is her um, Who Rules the World song. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to listen to that tonight. Yeah. You could shout out some Beyonce. I love that. But I also think... Um, a bit of Julie Andrews. I'm going to be proper English now Ooh. from uh, the sound, the sound of music. Um, although she does get married to a captain, but she turns up right the way she turns up 
She's like, yeah, I want to be a nun and my clothes are like rags and I don't actually care and that's okay. And she dances and she looks scruffy and she does her thing. She doesn't conform to what they want and different life in that house. For me, growing up listening to that was awesome. Considering that was what, in the 50s, 40s? Interesting. It, I'm glad that I had that. <laughs> and I had a bit of Mary Poppins um, as well. You know, a whimsical, female, powerful who never would have thought that well we must remember you know it's not just today we're talking about women being uh more but look at look at disney it's doing it better now you've got moana a strong female character it's not just aladdin it, you you've got these strong heroine women and how good that we're seeing more of that we definitely need to see more of that that's yeah, for sure definitely and i feel more feminine since outbound actually <laughs> Since the conference, <laughs> since the conference and hearing some of the stories. You know what? I would, I agree with that. I I agree with that. I feel kind of that way myself. It was, uh, I had some awakenings. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Which is good because if you're, you know, if you're in the same bubble all the time and you're not out and about, and I think this has, you know, been a, a challenge over the last few years with COVID too. Um, so many of us work at home. Yeah. And even if you work for an organization with a lot of people, if you're not around people, it's almost like you have no diversity of of anything. You have mm-hmm. no diversity of thought. You, mm-hmm. you know, if you're living in that bubble. So that was another good aha for me. And I had that aha several weeks ago too, when I was at a BMW diversity conference. And it made me realize, I'm like, gosh, I just, I'm not out enough anymore in front of a group of people just having conversations mm-hmm. right just networking just you know it was so cool to seeing a bunch of different people that I knew and this took place in Spartanburg South Carolina which is four hours away from me but like literally I I, I ran into all kinds of people I knew a four-hour drive away you know it's a, it's that that's how small your world can be but it was just kind of nice having people to talk to you, the same thing with Outbound, right? Having yes. that opportunity. Yes. It's so interesting, isn't it? I've got to ask you a question. I was thinking about this. Do you think that it is appropriate for men to compliment a woman on how she's dressed? <sighs> oh, that's a tough one. Because I, I wore a dress at Outbound and I had five compliments. <laughs> Not that I'm counting, <laughs> but I had five compliments on this dress. And you bet. They were all from women. And I was thinking to myself, how would I feel if a man did give me a compliment about my dress? And I, I think, I think I would feel absolutely fine. Well, I think men, I think, I think Jeff Bajork brought this up. I think men are afraid at this point. They don't know what is, what they can say without being offensive. And now I will tell you that as a woman, because some other woman brought this to my attention I was I was saying how, you know, sometimes in building rapport and discovery, I might compliment a woman. And this woman was like, you can't do that. You can't, uh, yeah, you can't make reference to how a woman looks. I'm like, as a woman, I can't tell a woman she looks good. I'm like, what have we come to um, that? I can't I can't do that anymore. So, yeah, anyway, that's it's so true. That's that's a whole nother story. So true. Sounds like we probably, we're probably at about time. 
to wrap up. You feeling inspired? You feeling empowered? You ready to channel your Beyonce? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go play Who Runs the World. Girls, (laughs) Who Runs the World. Girls. You have your own private little disco there. Maybe that'll be be our. Maybe that'll be our episode title. Yes, please. Yes, please. All right. Well, I know it's late over there and you got to go to sleep and I have a ton of work to do. So I'm going to get on that. Any last thoughts? No, no last thoughts today. We've had our song. But all I would say is channel your empowered woman. Channel your empowered woman. And any negative thoughts you have, refute them. Yes. Refute. refute. Thank you, Gina Therapist. everybody should have one uh awesome thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the women your mother warns you about brought to you by sales gravy for more information about our show check out women your mother warns you about.com or to learn more about Susanna or i or all of the amazing sales gravy courses that we offer go to salesgravy.com or salesgravy.university bye bye